Hello, church family. This is uh, Ezra chapter 3, part 3. Uh, you remember, uh, what we're kind of go over this week is about uh, true worship and how we can uh, honor the Lord uh, in the things that we do. Uh, Ezra chapter 3, this is when people start, uh, the Israelites returning, all 42,360 of them have returned, and they start working on, first they were just doing the sacrifices, and before they start working on temple, which shows that these people wanted to worship God before they do anything for the Lord. Um, and we saw how true worship was first defined by God. Um, we see how uh, when they were building the altar, when they had the altars and they were doing all the sacrifices, they weren't just offering sacrifices uh, randomly, but they were um, using uh, the Torah. They were using things that were written, and they used that as their guide uh, and their law, really, to decide how to offer these uh, sacrifices to the Lord. And we learned as an application point about how we, in our true worship, we're not offering anything physical to uh, the Lord. We're not a uh, priest in that sense, but we are a priest in the sense we offer our lives. We, we, we put our own bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, and we offer prayer to him. Uh, how, our, how we live out our life is supposed to be um, the sacrifice we want to give to the Lord. Everything that we do it should be directed to the Lord. And we talk about how we need to do personal holiness as well as corporate faithfulness. Um, uh, we talked about how uh, that's if we do the things that's revealed in Scripture, uh, we do it because that's what God expects. He defines what it means to worship Him. And our faithfulness in our conduct and our thought life and the way that we uh, run church, uh, that's how we glorify the Lord. That's how we're distinct from the rest of the world. Now, uh, today we're going to look at how true worship is exclusive worship. True worship is exclusive. It's only um, the, the, it's only intended to be worshipped to one, the one true God. Uh, we see this in chapter three, verse eighty-nine. At the end of both of these verses, uh, they were the Levites were working, and they said they the work um, of the house of the Lord. Uh, verse nine. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers stood united with Cadmiel and his sons, his sons of Judah and the sons of Hadadad with their sons and brothers, the Levites, to oversee the work in the temple of God. So they were working uh, to the Lord, the only one true God. They didn't have any more uh, Ashroth poles or Baal or Molech anymore. They're, they're devoting themselves only to the one true God. Verse 10, Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of God, the priests stood in their apparel with the trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with symbols, praise the Lord, according to the directions of King David of Israel. So they were singing to the Lord. They were uh, devoting everything exclusively only to Yahweh. They were they're no longer praying to any other God. They're no longer offering any sacrifice to the God. Uh, this is this shows that the Israelites have repented, um, that they are worshiping the one true God in the way that He wants to be worshipped. Um, everything that they did it's a, it's, it shows their devotion to faithfulness. Um, again, this is a good thing because they spent seventy years <coughs> seventy years in exile. Now that they get to return. Uh, they actually learned their lesson and like, okay, we need to do exactly what God wants us to do. And they use God's word for that. And uh, I'm going to read some passages from the, some, probably some of the passages they were thinking about too, that they've read. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. They understood that there's only one God. Uh, and that's why they're worshiping him. They're looking back at these uh, passages. You know, even um, at Deuteronomy chapter Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 7. 
you shall have no other gods born. This is again Deuteronomy, Exodus, or this is where it's kind of like a, a cross reference, um, or like Deuteronomy is the second re- uh, giving of the law. So this thing sounds familiar to them. Uh, verse nine of chapter five of Deuteronomy says, "You shall not worship them." Or sorry, verse eight, "You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness which is." In heaven above, or on earth beneath, or the waters underneath, you, you shall worship them. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I am the Lord your God, and a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the father of the children, and on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, so these are just some of these exclusive passages. Uh, that God expects. God expects people to worship him and him alone because there is no other God. Um, there is no other God in existence. God is not in heaven standing next to Buddha or any other religion or any other false gods. Isaiah 45, <clears throat> verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you through, though you have not known me. Um, Joel chapter 2, verse 27, Joel chapter 2, verse, Joel chapter 2, verse 27, it reads, thus you, shall, <clears throat> thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other, and my people will never be ashamed. Um, and these are just some verses that, in the Old Testament that speaks of these things. Uh, but we know throughout, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament says the same thing. Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father uh, but through me. Acts chapter 4, verse, verse uh, 12. Um, there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. First uh, Timothy chapter two, verse five. And Paul's writing to Timothy, he's reminding him of what it takes to be a pastor, and he says this: First Timothy chapter two, verse five. But there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men. The the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all the testament given at the proper time. These are all just uh, some of the verses. I'm sure you could think of more as well about just the exclusive uh, demand that God has to worship him. And Christians must have this basic understanding that there is no other God except the triune God that is revealed in scripture. Uh, the world has, the world hates this idea of, uh, oh, there's only one God that you worship because it, 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 does, it, it loves personal autonomy. It doesn't like the fact that um, there's only one God because that means there's only one way. And if there's only one way, that means that people who think this way, who think that there's more than one God, that means they're wrong. And in our sinful hearts, we don't want to admit that we're wrong. Uh, the, uh, the man's heart is so deceitfully wicked uh, that we would rather believe in a lie than to humbly accept the truth, that there is no other God under heaven except for the one true God. If God shares his glory with another, that means that he isn't the one true God, that there's other gods uh, that, that can you can bow down to. And this is a grave sin against God when people are polytheistic. It's better for you to, as a Christian to just say, like, uh, 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 there's one true God, or even deny 
Christianity altogether than to call yourself a Christian and say, oh yeah, well you can believe this God and that God as well. You're living in San Francisco, a lot of the churches here think in those terms. They think, oh, whatever uh, works for you, whichever God that you want to pray to, just pray to that God. Um, if you ever look at Alcoholic Anonymous, one of the steps that they have to do is they have to confess to the God of their making, whatever makes them feel good, whatever makes them feel that they can get, alleviate their guilt. Um, there is a lack of this exclusive exclusive um, worship because um, by saying that there's exclusive worship means that every other way is wrong. And in our lives, it may um, it may not necessarily be in a form of another religion, but we under, understand that true worship is exclusive not just to God, but only to God. But in our lives, it may not be like another religion, but it could just be the things in our life like idols. Uh, maybe not be like a physical idol, but it could be like your career, or it could be your family, or it could be uh, your free time, your leisure. You can love those things more, and God does not is not pleased with that. Um, God gives us things to enjoy so that we ultimately worship him. But if we end up worshiping those things that he's given us, um, they, will, they, they will make an idol out of them. We will worship those things. It's offensive to the Lord. Our hearts must uh, be devoted to God exclusively um, if we want to have a true worship of God. Um, you know, When it comes to even things like money, God said you cannot worship uh, God and money. You can only choose one. Your heart is only made uh, to worship one thing at a time. So it's either you worship God or you worship something else. Um, and it's really a test for, for us to see, like, what is it that we love most in our life? What are the things that we think about? What are the things that we spend our most time and money and resource on? Um, the chances are those are things that were um, the, the things that we love most. Uh, but you have to think in relative to the Lord, is can, can people, when you look at your own life, you look at just times of time spent, how much can you say you spend time actually devoting your mind and time to the Lord? And you love, what you love most, that's what you spend the most time on. Um, so if you love leisure, you'll spend more of that. But if you love the Lord the most, then you'll spend most of your, all as much time as you can just um, worshiping him through studying, through meditating, uh, through doing things that are pleasing to the Lord. And, uh, this is what God expects of us. God expects us to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and only him. Uh, he does not share his glory with another God, <clears throat> another deity, or any other object or things in this world. So if we want to honor the Lord, if we want to be faithful uh, to the Lord, <clears throat> if we want to give true worship, it must be exclusive to the Lord. So ask yourself, what are the things that uh, you can see in your life that can be potential idols that you need to get rid of, things that might uh, cause you to uh, love and desire the things in this earth more than the things above, more than our Savior. So this is a little devotional thought for today. What are things in your life that you can cut off in your life because those things can potentially make you not worship God exclusively? Because if you want to worship him truly and faithfully, you must devote your entire life only to him. Not that this isn't to say that all the other things you can't enjoy, but those things should make you love God more. Um, and that's what I hope for us today. When we think about our life, that we don't love the things that's in our life, but that these things make us love God who provided everything for us. And that's how we can grow in our true worship to him and to him alone. I hope this is helpful. And uh, tomorrow we're going to look at how true worship is centered. Uh, it's it's uh, True worship is centered around God. It's centered around who, uh, it centers around the one true God. Um, 
is not just centered around uh, things of this world, but centered around one person. It's almost similar to the second point, uh, but I'll explain some of the nuances later. Okay, have a nice day.